Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian, here as always with Michaela. Michaela, how's it going? How was your weekend? It was great. It was great. It was actually a very movie-centric weekend. I got to see a lot of yeah. films uh, okay. gearing up for the Golden Globes, right? Yeah. Did you uh, do some uh, catching up? I did do some catching up. So okay. I saw Nomadland, which is out on okay. HBO Max, I believe. Uh, Hulu. Hulu. Yes. Hulu. Sorry. It's on Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. I had heard great things about it. It's got a lot of Oscar buzz. Um, going around it for at least Francis McDormand's character as well mm-hmm. as yep. uh, just in general for best best picture and it was phenomenal um, mm-hmm. really recommend it yep yeah we watched that one too it was really good so if you have uh, uh, Hulu I definitely recommend checking that one out totally and I also saw One Night in Miami which um, okay. has gotten a lot of kind of ensemble cast and um, mm-hmm. some some writing kudos to it it was originally a play which i found really interesting being a theater uh bum um mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool and it's really well done i think a lot of the themes for the year are very much tied into kind of racial equality and the the strive to be more inclusive in general in the world and um mm-hmm. it was really well done in that way um and right, it's right. It, they say it's inspired by true events but mm-hmm. it was really cool to see kind of how these four iconic African-American successful people in that time, it was like in the sixties, I believe mm-hmm. um, just, you know, and it, it was just really cool. I really liked it. Yeah. That one. Yeah. That one was a good one too. Um, we uh, watched, uh, let's see, what did we watch this week? We watched um, news of the world. So um, another one kind of gearing up for the uh, golden globes coming up this week. And uh Oscars there. Uh, that one stars uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, you have to rent that one on uh, Amazon. It's in early access. So if you want to check that one out. So we watched that. Uh, we watched Nomadland as well. Um, and definitely kind of share your same opinions on that. It was uh, really well done. It was really good. Um, and then we caught up on a fair bit of TV uh, for the Golden Globes. So I watched through a couple of series there as well. So uh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff watched, but now I think I'm ready to uh, have a drink and talk about a movie. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Um, you know, I don't speak French, but I'd really like a sea breeze. Does that translate? Uh, yeah, thankfully that translates just fine. So why don't we, uh, we'll take a trip with Kate and Luke down to uh, Southern France. We'll uh, whip up some sea breezes and we'll be right back to uh, chat about this week's cocktail. So this week's cocktail is the sea breeze. The sea breeze and a bunch of other kind of vodka cranberry cocktails got really popular in the 1980s. Um, but we actually first learned about the sea breeze uh, from the Savoy cocktail book, which was printed in 1930, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, so the Savoy, if people don't know, it's a hotel and fancy uh, cocktail bar uh, restaurant in uh, central London. Have you have you ever been there in your travels? To You know, I don't think I have. I don't think I have because it's London and um, I haven't been to London that much. The most time I spent there, I was way too young to drink, even even in England. So um, oh, okay. it's now, though, 
it's on the top of my list. I better go because yeah. I love a good cocktail. Well, you're you're definitely too young to drink a cocktail at the Savoy then probably if you're if you're just too young in general. But uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance to go, it's really cool. Um, my wife and I uh, made a stop in there the last time we were in London and you can just go in for a cocktail. You don't have to do a full meal or anything. So it's a little bit on the expensive side, but it's really cool just because it's, uh, you know, this old you know fancy hotel and fancy cocktail bar. But yeah, so this recipe comes to us from that book in 1930. The original cocktail was quite a bit different though. So it was a gin-based cocktail. So it was gin, apricot brandy, lemon, and grenadine. Uh, but then in the 1960s, when uh, Ocean Spray of Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice fame kind of got started, uh, they came up with their own little recipe book, right, to kind of promote line of uh, these uh, cocktail juices. And one of the recipes was for uh, this new, uh, this cocktail, the Sea Breeze. Um, so they swapped out, you know, some of the uh, ingredients and featured more of the uh, Ocean Spray ca- Cranberry Juice, which is what we used when we made ours, um, so that you know today. So if you go and uh, get one at the beach, that's probably the uh, cocktail you're going to get. Michaela, you whipped these up for us. Why don't you run through the recipe for everyone? Sure. It was actually really easy to make and quite beautiful. Um, It's an ounce and a half of vodka. We used uh, Tito's vodka from Jipping Springs because that's how we roll. And uh, we did three ounces of the Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice Cocktail. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do a light version because Ocean Spray does make a light version, but we did not because we love the flavors. We also added an ounce and a half of grapefruit juice. Now it's probably best if you make your own, but if you do something Mm -hmm. like a simply grapefruit, um, as long as it's really fresh, it's not from concentrate. I think you're going to be good to go from there. Um, And then just a lime wheel as your garnish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just kind of build those uh, right in the glass or you can shake them up and uh, just serve it over ice. But yeah, I think having the the fresh grapefruit juice is really nice. A lot of times if you get grapefruit juice, like concentrate from the grocery store, it's going to be like a grapefruit and orange juice yeah. kind of blend. So it's just going to yeah. throw off the flavor about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, it'll add an extra element of sweetness and kind of tame the tartness, I think of the grapefruit juice. And you really mm-hmm. need that because um, the cranberry juice and the grapefruit mixed together is, is really nice. You, especially if you're not going to do the light version, you should keep it where it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now um, we made these and I thought, I thought it was pretty good. What did you think about this one, Michaela? This seems like something that they uh, would be uh, right in your wheelhouse, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I can't wait to actually try the gin version. I think that would be really great. Um, mm-hmm. If I could find some apricot brandy, because that sounds amazing. Yeah. And uh, you know, I famously cannot tell the difference between gin and vodka. So for me, it, oh, okay. it might not taste any differently at all, but I really enjoyed this drink. I thought it was very refreshing. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that it was beautiful. I really liked shaking it versus building it in the the cocktail glass itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was very, very good. And it's one of those that's, for me, I appreciated that it was a few enough amount of ingredients and it's easy stuff to get and sort of keep around your house. So if you wanted to be fancy on like a random Tuesday night, you could do so. You don't have to get a bunch of different stuff. Um, Some of Mm -hmm. our other cocktails that we've done on this pod are much more involved. And I really liked how this one was still so simple, but it felt, it still felt very adult and very chic and I liked it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. uh, 
like I said, I like this one quite a bit, so I'm excited to have it, you know, kind of in the summer. Now, if I was in Southern France uh, with Kate, I don't know that this is probably what I'd order, but if I'm laying poolside, I think that uh, this one would be a good one for me. So, Yeah, they and it was in the scene where she does order it, they seem to know exactly what she wants. Um, and I don't know if that's because you know, that's, it's actually very popular, uh, in France um, or not, (laughs) but I think you're probably right. It's probably not something I would, uh, have ordered, but, uh, you know, Hey, if it's beachside, you gotta, especially with the, with the garnish, right? I mean, it's almost like an umbrella. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, we have our uh, sea breezes uh, made up. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about this week's movie, French kiss. Spoiler warning for French kiss. If you've not yet seen this film, press pause, go make yourself a sea breeze, watch French Kiss, and then we can come back and chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. If you've not seen it, you're going to have trouble finding it. Uh, Michaela and I ran into that uh, problem when we were looking it up. Uh, But this movie first came out in 1995, and it was directed by Lawrence Kasdan, and it stars Meg Ryan and Kevin Kline. Um, Now, Lawrence Kasdan I was familiar with when we first looked up this uh, film to cover. I was like, Lawrence Kasdan, that name sounds familiar. Why do I know that? And it's because he wrote the screenplay for The Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. But he did do a little bit of directing, about 10 or so films, and this was one of them. And uh, like I said, it stars Meg Ryan, who is the uh, romantic comedy uh, sort of queen back in the uh, mid-90s. And uh, we talked about her on uh, another episode and as well. So, Yeah, and Kevin Klein's a great uh, actor all around you know he's been uh, he definitely plays my favorite president in the movie Dave with Sigourney Weaver and Frank mm. Langella um, he is in obviously the big chill which was hugely famous and very popular um, mm-hmm. you know he was in a fish called Wanda he's just done a lot of really great physical comedy um, but again, he and Meg Ryan really um, kind of set the screen in a different way uh, during this kind of duo. Um, mm. He's never played, I, I don't think he ever plays anyone French before or after. Um, so he's got this really interesting French accent going on. I think it's supposed to be Parisian, um, even right. though he's from like a little town. Yeah, he's from Louisiana. I think um, Kevin Klein is anyway. So it's, uh, so he does, he, does do a pretty good job with the uh, French accent. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. And it also, this also stars uh, Jean Reno, who was in Lyon. He was in, gosh, he was in one of the Godzilla films. He uh, okay. was in Ronin. He's quite famous and actually French. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, there's a couple of people. Laurent uh, Spielvogel was, was in it as well, who plays this really amazing concierge, um, mm-hmm. is totally rude and amazingly badass. It, he's, he's awesome. He's everything that you think of when you think of like, uh, a rude French person. <laughs> he, he was awesome in it. And, uh, right. but there are a couple of really great, um, kind of picture characters, cameo, uh, mm-hmm. characters, uh, in the film that, that, that helped this film along as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't we uh, get into the film? And it, it starts off right away, and you just see uh, Kate, who's played by Meg Ryan, just sitting on an airplane, and she's just kind of, you know, uh, you can tell she's super nervous. Um, she it just keeps uh, repeating over and over, I love Paris in the springtime. Um, and you think she's on a real flight, and then you hear the announcement come over the uh, 
speakers on the plane, you know, saying, you know, everything's, everything's okay, Kate, everything's okay, or remember what you're doing, Kate, and you're like, what's going on? So you think it might be a dream, but now she's just there to, uh, to face her fears at this, uh, you can fly, which is like a, uh, like to help people get over their, uh, uh, your fear of flying, their fear of flying. Yeah. So uh, kind of a, kind of a fun, fun start to the movie. Yeah. She, she really tries, doesn't she? I mean, she's, got this stone cottage in her head that she's supposed to think about and this Isle mm-hmm. of Paris in the springtime mantra. And, um, but she ends up doing what, um, you know, she ends up jumping out of her seat and actually physically forcing the, <laughs> the doors open. Um, and if there had been an emergency uh, exit kind of sliding down the, the slide, right, she gets yeah. a full refund from the You Can Fly company because they realize she's a lost cause. Um, yeah throwing the uh, door open on the uh, moving airplane is not the best way to <laughs> Probably, face your fear of flying. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, yeah, not she, good. Not good. Well, why, but yeah. So why is she trying to, to get to Paris when we find out uh, she's, you know, back at home and her fiance is there, he's packing his suitcase, you know, he's going to Paris, I think for, uh, for kind of a work trip and he wants her to go with him, you know, so she can, she can see Paris. He thinks it'd be a really, you know, fun getaway for him. But, you know, Kate's like, nah, I can't, can't do it. Can't go. Um, and it turns out that, Kate's trying to get her Canadian citizenship. So she's not even really supposed to leave Canada. Um, and that's kind of the excuse she keeps giving him as to why she doesn't want to go. But, you know, they both know that she's, you know, just, you know, kind of too scared to fly, too scared to uh, get out of town. Right. And her fiance is Charlie. His, that's his name. He's played by Timothy Hutton. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you don't know how long they've been together, but you sense that it's been for a while because they're living together mm-hmm. in this, in this apartment. And he keeps saying, you know, don't you want to see, you know, the Arc de Triomphe? Don't you want to see Champs-Élysées? Don't you want to see the Eiffel Tower? And you can tell she's very wistful. She says, oh, I really would love to. But um, but he doesn't, uh, he cannot convince her to go. But mm-hmm. what what he does do is they're talking about their, her, his parents come for dinner or something and they're all talking. And uh, he mentions that um, this house that they've been looking at is finally up for sale. Mm-hmm. And the the couple that owns it has finally put it on the market. And so Kate and Charlie drive and, you know, kind of sit in front of the house and look longingly at it. And uh, Charlie's like, there's no way we can afford this house, which is weird because he's a doctor. But I guess in Canada, doctors don't, you know, right. it's, they, they have a different system. So he's not making sure. bank the way you'd think. Um, right. So, you know, he's saying kind of, oh, we can't really afford this house. Why are we even looking at it? And Kate discloses to him that she has, um, even though she is an English teacher, um, mm-hmm. she has been saving money since uh, she turned 22 and started, got her first job. So she yep. has saved up a nest egg of something like $48,000, um, mm-hmm. which is enough to maybe, you know, put a down payment on this really amazing house and right. they're really excited about it. He's very into it. He's, you know, they kiss in the car and, and he, again, he asks her, you know, please come to Paris with me. And he mm-hmm. says, you know, she, but she just won't do it. And so the next scene is her kind of saying goodbye to him at the airport, because this was back when you could do that. And, right. um, and then waiting for him to call to say that he's arrived. So he does call, he says that he's arrived and she's getting, you know, work on, trying to put an offer together for this house so that they can, they can buy it. Mm, yeah. It sort of sets up the story, right? So 
we see that, or we find out that she's, you know, moving to Canada. She's, you know, given up her uh, U.S. citizenship to get Canadian ships so she can go up there and, you know, live with him full time. She's got all of this money saved to buy uh, this house together. But, you know, he's out of town now. So when he calls the first time, she's trying to put together, you know, this paperwork and, you know, get the deal, you know, sorted with the the real estate agent. And he's like, oh, we can talk about it later. You know, I'm kind of busy now. And she's like, well, okay. And then um, he's going to call a couple of more times, but every time he calls, he seems to want to kind of, kind of rush her off the phone, right? Like he has less and less time every time that he calls. Uh, yeah. This, uh, this he's in a club. He's, he's at a really amazing restaurant. He's like, oh my God, I had this food. It was amazing. It was in this amazing sauce. I got to go talk to you later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's very little real dialogue happening about, Hey, I miss you. How are you? You know, how's things going with the house? How is my family? Anything like that? Right. Yeah. And the, uh, and the third time he calls, uh, he, he just gets right down to it. He's, uh, so something along the lines of, I'm so happy, but I messed up, but that's okay. Cause it's destiny. And we find out that, uh, Charlie met a, a girl over in uh, France, a French girl, and he's not coming back. So he, yeah, sorry, not coming back. I met a goddess. He calls yeah. her. She's a that's, goddess. And that's right. You know, Kate is, uh, having dinner with her soon to be sister-in-law, right? It's, uh, mm-hmm. Charlie's little sister and you can see she just kind of curls into the floor and doesn't really understand what's happening. Um, right. And most people would do what like Bridget Jones did or, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. any, any of our other heroines, right. They would freak out. They'd go cry in a bathtub. Oh no, not Kate. Um, she ends up getting on a plane on a real plane and yeah. she's going to go and figure out, uh, how to get Charlie back. And Mm -hmm. so she's on an air Canada flight. And uh, that's where we meet Kevin Klein's character, which is Luke. Mm -hmm. Probably said that wrong. (laughs) Yeah. She's um, yeah. She's sitting there um, in the window seat. There's an empty seat next to her and she's going through kind of the same kind of mantra as she was, you know, at the start of the film, you know, starting to freak out, you know, really having a tough time. And she sees this, uh, this French guy come in and he sees the open seat, this, the, uh, the hostess, you know, kind of points him in that direction to go take that empty seat. She doesn't, she's not very happy about this, but uh, he's going to go over and, and sit next to her. And uh, that's kind of where their story is going to pick up. Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting because Duke is not not very friendly, right? They're, they're not really friendly to each other. They kind of get into this banter. Mm-hmm. Um where, you know, she's like, hey, you know, did anybody ever tell you rude and interesting are not the same thing? Like, you think that you're interesting, but you're not, you're being very rude. And Mm -hmm. uh, I hate, she's trying to, trying to get her mantra back, right? Where she's singing this, I love springtime, you know, Paris in the springtime. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you so afraid of this airplane? It's going to be fine. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, then he starts kind of accusing her. He says, ah, you're, you're just afraid of life. And they kind of get into this big argument Um, Mm -hmm. as the plane is taking off and so you know you realize she's kind of gone off on him and is like you're being rude and you're probably one of those people that's like happy people they're they're they bother me they make my ass twitch right and right and you realize she's that the plane's taken off and she's not freaked out anymore about the plane taking off she's so exasperated at him (laughs) right yeah but I mean you kind of get the sense watching him that he's doing it purposefully right to kind of distract her from the fact that the plane's taking off at least that's kind of what i 
yeah took away from it right he's not he's not really doing it to antagonize her as much as he is to kind of distract her and you know get it off and uh the ground and you know at a certain point she's you know stops kind of you know telling him what's what and he points out the window and he's like oh your city's beautiful isn't it and she's like oh okay I guess we're <laughs> I guess we're doing this now so yep yep and you know yeah there was a method to his madness and I think she sees it a little bit he ends up leaving and getting up uh to go uh try and smoke on a plane which you cannot do no matter what country yeah. you're in I don't right. know why he tries that but he's like so blatant about it he's like in the the main compartment and he just takes out a cigarette and the, mm-hmm. you know the one of the flight attendants like no 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 sorry and he says okay well can you get me some ice and some water and you see that he very deftly steals like four bottles of those little bottles of vodka mm-hmm. and uh comes back and he's like i've got a drink for you and and then she's kind of they have a much deeper conversation where she asks if he thinks that she's really no fun she really doesn't know uh, how to have a good time like is she really afraid of life does, does he really say that and see that when he when he sees her and he's like no 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 right. and they both kind of get onto the topic of of having a good time uh right, you know, yeah, with of, their bodies and he's... Of, uh, of love and <laughs> of love and romance and you know first times and you know she's much more prudish than he is right you know he's he's from paris he's you know seen it all but you know i feel like she's kind of led this guarded guarded yeah, life right never you know, talks about these kinds of things yeah for sure yeah but, yeah but she does and open up a little bit and she's like no i you know the, my first time and she tells him you know it was, I, I was 18 it was with uh jeff the jock is what she calls him and it was in i think she said her parents basement or his parents basement or or something it, it wasn't that good but it was fine but now she's with uh, charlie and you know she loves charlie so now it's you know now it's perfect so. Yeah, no, it's great. Except for that one time where she was in between teaching jobs and she did not feel like it. And he said it was fine. And mm-hmm. so she's, she kind of delves into that, but uh, you know, juxtapose her kind of reaction to sex in general is, you know, Luke, who was like, man, I was, I was 12. I couldn't wait. And I found the nearest prostitute I could find. And he, you know, he gave her uh, uh, some money um, to sleep with him. And so she did. And then the Mm -hmm. next day he went and stole something to give her more money so that he could kiss her because kissing is always actually more uh, expensive than the act of, of coitus itself. Mm -hmm. And they talk a little bit about why, why that would be right. Like her mouth was another world, which I thought was kind of beautiful and crass at the same time, because Mm -hmm. he's just talking about her kissing. Um, But uh, you know, Kate and him kind of talk about how, you know, a kiss is so much more than just a kiss. And, right. you know, it's like your, your scent and a little bit of your soul. And, um, and so it sort of makes sense, but um, the conversation ends again because he has to get up and leave again, which yep. she's thinking he's, you know, going to the bathroom like multiple times and, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so he's going to get up, they kind of finish their conversation. Uh, she's still finishing her uh, vodka, but he gets up and you see him, kind of going into the uh into the toilet there and he pulls out this package kind of from underneath of his uh shirt and it's like this little bundle and he opens it up and it's this little grapevine this little baby grapevine uh which you're not allowed to travel with on your person i don't believe so uh he's but he's gonna you know water it and take care of it and you know there might be something else inside of this grapevine but he needs to figure out how to get it through back into uh france you know questions unasked so he gets back to the seat 
Kate's asleep, so he's going to uh, stick it in her uh, kind of purse, her uh, over the shoulder bag. Right. And uh, sure enough, you know, they kind of get off the plane. He asks, you know, he says, hey, I can give you a ride. I, where are you going? And she says, oh, I'm going to the George Sank, um, which is this really swanky hotel because that's where Charlie mm-hmm. is. And yep. he's like, hmm, I don't know if that's a good idea, but I can give you a ride. I can make sure you get there. And uh, but they get separated at customs because, of course, he is stopped. Um, yep. I like he um, he tells her, you know, he's like, you don't have anything to declare. Just walk through there. And she's like, well, what do you have to declare? He's like, I don't have anything to declare, but they, you know, they always stop me. And he's right. So they both start going and, and he gets stopped. But um, luckily, his friend, uh, who is kind of the uh, inspector there, um, who you mentioned is played by uh, Jean Reno, uh, is there and sees him, kind of goes over and tells the uh, immigration officer that, oh, it, it's fine. Let him go. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jean-Paul is is the character's name. And he he asks Luke how he's doing and says, hey, why don't why don't you come home with me? Uh, and he says, well, what are you doing here in the hotel or in the in the airport? And he says, oh, I'm a cop, but I get to go on vacations. You know, do you, mm-hmm. we're all home now. So you should come with us and meet, see the family. And um, right. And so you you see that uh, there is this interesting relationship because you can tell that you know, Luke is obviously doing things that are illegal and he has a friend who happens to be a cop. So there's some tension there, but he, he accepts Luke kind of looks after, tries to find Kate uh, while they're outside. Um, mm-hmm. Kate's getting into a taxi and uh, you can see that Luke just decides to go ahead and, and not fight with Jean-Paul and let him, let him take him home. And of mm. course, as soon as they get in the car, Jean-Paul starts going through all of his stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> because yeah, he, he doesn't, as much as he loves his, him, he doesn't really trust him, you know? He, yeah, it just has, like, his bag, like, open on his lap, just going through everything. It's it's pretty funny. in this tiny little uh, uh, French car that they're in. Right. But, and uh, you realize, because Jean-Paul's son is there, and he mm. says, Dad, why are you, you know, why are you looking through this stuff? And he says, well, I'm trying to save him from himself, because Luke is really good, and he, I wouldn't be here, and you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Luke. He saved my life once. And so you see that mm. even though he doesn't want Luke to be a thief and he knows that he is kind of a common thief, um, he tries to, you know, give He's him watching a out for him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, Kate, Kate needs someone to kind of watch out for her because she, you know, she gets to the uh, Hotel George. And so she goes up and, you know, she speaks to the uh, person at the desk there and she asks for Charles' room number and, uh, and he says, he says, no, I'm not going to give you that. And she's like, well, why not? And he says, France is not a nation of puritanical hypocrites. We don't just, you know, give out people's room numbers. I don't you know. We don't know who you are. He's, uh, he's allowed to his, his privacy. So uh, Kate's going to try to uh, give him a bribe, right? So she slides some, uh, some money over to him, uh, which, which he takes. And she's like, I just tried to bribe you. And he's like, well, I just tried to take the money. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't seem to get her anywhere. So, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's very unhelpful. And, uh, you know, he says, Oh, it's on do not disturb. Like I've tried to call him and he's like, yeah, well then do not disturb him. It's really that simple. And so mm-hmm. she decides because this is a beautiful hotel and it's a real hotel. If you've ever been to the George Sank, it's gorgeous. Um, it's quite opulent. It's got this really amazing elevator that, um, mm-hmm. It's, I think it was one of the first glass elevators in France, to be honest. So you can see um, it going up and down um, and you can see the contents of who's inside it. So she 
kind of parks herself in front of the elevator in the lobby uh, to kind of catch him as he goes in or out. Cause eventually he's going to show up. Charlie is right. And mm-hmm. uh, so she's sitting there and she's got her bag next to her. She's not really paying much attention to it, which is not a good thing. If you ever travel in Europe or anywhere, you should always know where your stuff is guys and girls. It's a safety yeah. tip. Um, so some gentleman in a very nice Armani suit kind of tries to to chatter up and talk to her and um kate is not really interested she's like i you know i i want to she asks him um some questions some pretty personal questions um and the guy thinks that you know maybe she's interested in having some sort of sexual relationship (laughs) but he he she quickly decides is like no that's not that's not it i'm just wondering um you know if you can pee with someone standing next to you because i guess that's a thing charlie could never do oh okay yeah i guess that's a guy thing i don't know we 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 don't we don't have that issue in the ladies room because we get our own space to do that uh business Mm. so um but they're having this argument when she looks up and you know coming down the elevator there's this guy and this girl in a really hot short red dress making out Mm -hmm. like crazy yeah and she realizes that that's her fiance and so she just yeah, that's completely... that's her fiance and the uh, and the goddess and that doesn't sit well. So uh, Kate faints just faints. right there on the on the couch. So completely, and uh, immediately the guy in the hot you know very nice suit like takes all of her shit right. <laughs> he like grabs oh, yeah. her stuff and uh, Luke uh, has shown up uh, because he remembers that that's where she needed to go, and so he's shown up to try and uh, you know reclaim his his stuff that he's stashed yeah. in the bag. And um, yeah, she's needs to get that kind of, grapevine back. Yeah. yeah. And she's kind of being, you know, fanned uh, as she's kind of coming out of it, but her bag is gone. Both of her, her suitcase and her purse, they're both just gone. And so Luke mm-hmm. is very angry. Um, and there's this really amazing scene. Cause she's like, who was it? Who was this guy? Um, Cause as he's walking in, the guy in the suit kind of sees him and is like, Oh, Bob, I didn't know that you were working we're working this area and he's like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I left the subway years ago or something. And, right. um, and so Luke realizes uh, that, uh, that it was probably his old friend and also fellow thief uh, named Bob, but it's yeah. great. Cause poor, <laughs> poor Kate. She's like, he's trying to get her to describe him. And she's like, Oh, who was it? And she's like a bastard. All men are bastards. Everybody is a bad. I never thought I'd be the person to say that all men are bastards, but they are all men are bastards. It was mm. like, it was the best. Yeah, that's right. So Luke figures out that Bob probably stole this stuff. So he tells Kate, he's like, we're going to get your stuff back. Just stand here. Wait for me. I'll go get the car and then we'll go get your stuff back. So you see kind of Luke out on the street going through cars, right? And he's uh, stealing a car so they can get in and they go uh, on a hot pursuit uh, to right. catch to catch Bob and she's like Bob and he's like yeah like Bob Dylan is, is who this guy is so right but they're uh you know driving through the city having kind of this conversation and uh probably one of my favorite exchanges in the film and Luke's you know talking to her about you know why is she even in France you know he tells you that he's leaving you he met this goddess he humiliates you and then what so you fly over here so we can do all of this to, again to your face why why would you bother coming here right yeah, and she's just like, oh, I love him. I'm, I have to. He's, it's my, it's my destiny. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I've worked so hard. I mean, we have a life, and I'm gonna remind him of it. And, you know, and you know, 
Luke is not uh, nonplussed about it. He's like, yeah, you're not going to remind him of anything. Have you seen her? Like the, mm-hmm. the goddess is pretty, she's goddess, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He gave up his, you know, his whole life with her, you know, and just like a week's worth of uh, being in France for uh, work. So yeah, probably not going to, uh, to win him back. At least uh, Luke doesn't think so. Right. So they're driving through the city. You get the first uh, near, uh, near glimpse of the Eiffel Tower. Kate's looking the wrong way. And by the time she turns her head back around, you know, it's already obstructed by a window. So kind of a neat little thing from earlier in the film. She says that that's kind of the only reason she would ever want to go to Paris is to see the Eiffel Tower, right? That would be cool. So, right. But yeah, they're driving through through the town, hot pursuit of Bob. Uh, Luke just drives his car right up onto the uh, curb about right smack into the uh, Moulin Rouge uh, theater there. And, uh, on their way to on their way to Bob, so he must uh, live in that area there. So, busts in, and her bags aren't there though. So he's already uh, gotten rid of her stuff. Yeah, her her brown uh, kind of uh, rucksack purse mm-hmm. is there, but it doesn't have. It, he does not have any of her clothes. Uh, her passport is gone, um, and of course she's freaking out because you know she needs a passport to leave and go home if she wants to go home. And so Luke kind of threatens Bob's life. And it's like, if you, if you, you know, show me, show me everything with it. And so she, he goes and he looks and he uh, ends up being able to get in, in the lining of her purse is where he's kind of hidden this vine. And so Mm -hmm. you see that he's, he's like kissing it and he's talking to it and he's trying to like make sure it's got water. And um, she doesn't really understand this. She's like, I don't understand uh, what this is. And he says, it's a vine and I, I'm going to bring it. And, but there's something else that's missing um, because she, now she's livid because she's like, you stole, you put something in my bag at the airport. Like, why right. would you do that? And Bob is like, here's some money for the stuff. And she's like, I don't want any money. Just leave me alone. You've just ruined my, I mean, I, I have to go home. Like I have nothing. So they kind of all part ways. And then of course, there's something else that Luke is looking for and he can't, it's not in her bag. And it, it wasn't what the, uh, it wasn't what the uh, vine. So right. Well, it wasn't what the catch, vine. You catch a glimpse of it when he's uh, first unwrapping it in the airplane. But uh, Luke was uh, smuggling a vine, which, uh, which you shouldn't do. You're not allowed to do, but he uh, wrapped around the vine was this uh, very fancy necklace. So he, you know, he assumes that it must still be in Kate's bag. So right. uh, he needs, needs to, uh, you know, keep an eye on her as she's, uh, heading back so you know they leave and she's like why did you why did you take this fine and he goes on to tell her it's you know this isn't you know this isn't just a plant this is this is a very special vine you know I brought it from America so I can start my vineyard right so she goes on to you know walk the streets and try and figure out what her next steps are going to be because she decides you know she can't leave without a passport um and so as she's walking um you know, she, we catch another glimpse of the Eiffel Tower, but, but right as she's about to turn to see it, the tie, the lights go off. And so she misses mm-hmm. it again. And she ends up going ahead and falling asleep outside the U.S. Embassy because she's still an American citizen and she probably still had a U.S. passport rather than an, a, a Canadian one. So mm-hmm. she goes and waits in line. And uh, of course, they had told her that because they were working on processing her Canadian citizenship, she shouldn't travel. And this is why, because when she goes to try and get her new one, they say, well, you, you don't want to be an American anymore, uh, but we want, you want us to give you a new passport? Like, I'm going to need your 
your Canadian residency papers before I can issue you a new passport. And right. so then she goes and sits at the Canadian embassy for hours. And then she talks to a very nice Canadian person who says, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you weren't supposed to leave Canada. And she says, I'm sorry, it was a, it was an emergency and I really had to. Right. And then he says, oh, well, have you ever been convicted of a felony? And That's right. And, and we learned at Bob's uh, apartment, right, that uh, when Luke gave her that uh, plant to smuggle into the country, she tells us that she'd never, you know, never been in trouble, y'all, except for that one time. Um, I think it was in college and she uh, smoked some marijuana and gotten busted with it. So. Right, right. And so the, you know, they obviously found a record that she had uh, been uh, arrested and convicted of a felony uh, mm-hmm. because that was a felony back in the day, at least. And yeah. so they said, you know what, uh, we're going to deny your visa. And so now she's kind of, she doesn't have any options, right? She, you don't, you don't, she can't go back. They don't want to, they're not going to be able to give her any sort of Canadian uh, visa, you know, and she doesn't have a U.S. passport. So she's really stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, she doesn't have anything else to do, right? So she's just kind of wandering around uh, Paris. You get the uh, third kind of near glimpse of the Eiffel Tower. Um, It's in the reflection of this window of a cafe, but uh, she doesn't see it because she's kind of looking into the cafe and Charles is sitting there uh, with his uh, new love interest. And she just has on this gigantic engagement ring, right? Yeah. It was worth way more than the nest egg that Kate had uh, right. had set aside for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's pretty distraught. So she doesn't, doesn't know anyone in France, obviously. You get the feeling she probably didn't have a lot of friends, right? Because she just moved to Canada. So she calls uh, Lily, who is, you know, set to be her uh, new kind of sister-in-law after the, the wedding. You know, she's like, I, yeah. I don't, you know, he's, he's leaving. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, can you ask, you know, our parents, your parents, you know, where Charlie's getting married so I can, you know, go try to confront him and figure this out. What do I need to do? What's the itinerary? Because, you know, mom's probably got it. And this, this scene was particularly sad because Lily trying to be funny. She's like, well, should you be calling her mom if you're not going to marry her? And she's like, just put her on the phone. And of course Mm -hmm. the mom, you know, Charlie's mom gets on the phone and has everything written down. And he's, she's, you know, she's very distraught and the mom is really sad. And, you know, she just says, mom, you know, she calls her mom and she's like, I'm going to get him back. I don't want you to worry. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get him back. And it's just this really, uh, I I mean, obviously this is romantic comedy. So it's, it's not so sad that you get distracted for the rest of the film, but it's very, very well done because you really feel like, She's at the bottom of the barrel right now, right? She has no, she doesn't know how she's going to get home. She doesn't have any money, but she's going to figure out how to get, um, how to get Charlie back. She doesn't know how, but she's going to do it. And it's very like a level of desperation. So uh, meanwhile, Bob. Yes. So we see, <laughs> so we see Bob. So Kate needs is going back to the hotel, right? She's going to try to catch Charlie before he heads out of town. But at the, uh, hotel already you know bob is back you know doing the same kind of smooth entry as he uh, did the first time wearing the nice suit you know lighting the cigarette for the uh for the ladies in the hotel but this time our inspector friend has uh sort of busted him and bob's sitting there with about a thousand passports uh, right. probably probably kate's included but you know bob to get out of trouble he's going to uh, roll over on his uh thief confidant uh luke say hey don't bother with me with these passports. You know, your friend Luke has all of these or has this, 
a really expensive diamond necklace that he just uh, stole from uh, America. So, right. Or from Canada, I guess. Right. Right. From Canada. And, um, you know, this is something that as much as Jean-Paul would like to kind of forget about and kind of overlook, he can't really overlook something like that. That is a, mm-hmm. um, that's a really big deal and Interpol could get involved. And so he, uh, you know, you can tell he's, 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 he's in a tough place now because he's going to have to figure out what to do about his friends and the crime that his friend has committed. So luckily, so Kate goes to a train station and Luke catches up with her and he sees the police and he sees that, uh, you know, Jean Paul is kind of chasing after him and mm-hmm. uh, he ends up making it onto Kate's train and um, Kate's sitting there. And, you know, if you've never been on a train, um, you should get on one if you can. If, you know, mm-hmm. once the pandemic is over, everyone should go to Europe and get on a train because it's, sure. it's, yeah. it's an amazing place. Um, but you can see there's this really she's got a really beautiful kind of window car. And Mm -hmm. she finally gets to see the Eiffel Tower in through the train window, which is a really, really cool moment. Yeah, they're heading uh, heading south out of uh, Paris. Yeah, she finally sees the Eiffel Tower. Um, The train's on its way to Nice, which is where the wedding is going to be taking place. But now Luke and her are on this uh, train together, right? So they were on they were on a flight for eight-ish hours, and now they're on kind of this overnight train, so they're going to get to spend, you know, another eight hours getting to uh, know each other and uh, learn a little bit more about, um, you know, each person's uh, kind of story. So uh, they're talking, you get a nice sort of exchange with them, and, you know, Luke's like, do I, you know, I look like a nice guy, don't I? I look like a good guy, and she says, no, you look like the kind of guy that steals liquor on airplanes and that steals a car and that smuggles a plant. And uh, you see him, he's getting ready to uh, light up a cigarette and it, you know, says no smoking there. And he's, and he puts it away and he says, see, no smoking. See, I'm growing. So. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't I be happy? You should be happy. I'm, you're, you're changing me. You're changing me, Kate. You're, you know, he's, he's really kind of laying it on thick because he doesn't, he needs her to, you know, give him a moment so he can go in and search her bag for the necklace because it's still in her bag. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's like, Hey, maybe I can help you. I can help you figure out how to get Charlie back. And, and uh, she's not really kind of uh, having any of it. So he, he tries another way and he's like, well, how did you, how did you and Charlie meet? And, you know, how, you know, why are you so entrenched with getting him back? I don't understand. Can you explain it? And it's mm-hmm. not like the first time he says it where he's like, why are you getting on a plane? So he can do humiliate you to your face. Now it's, it's much more right. serious. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of my favorite scenes because she's, she's uh, very dramatic about it. Um, as I, I probably would have been in 1995 the first time I saw this. Um, but she says, I, I'm just afraid if he doesn't come back, it will hurt so much that I will just shrivel up and I'll never be able to love again. Mm-hmm. And he's very wise in this. And he says, you say that now, but after a time you would forget. And you know, they were making fun of his chin earlier. And she said, first, you'd forget his chin and then you'd forget his nose. And after a while, you would struggle to remember all these minute details of him. And then one day mm-hmm. he would have left you and you can begin again. It really will be OK. And um, it's a really kind of nice scene where they they start to connect on a deeper level um, mm-hmm. because you can tell he he feels bad for her and he's trying to help her kind of um talk herself out of this idea that he's the only one for her and you know she you know because he he can probably tell this is not going to end well right yeah yeah she finally stops being 
you know, quite so combative with them, right? And then they're just having more of this uh, this kind of personal talk, you know, about their relationships. And but Kate ends up falling asleep, and Luke's really there. I, he's he's probably there because he likes Kate, I think. But uh, he's really there because he needs to get that necklace back out of her bag. And yeah. uh, so she's she's asleep. She's kind of using the bag as a pillow. So you see him kind of put his arm sort of like underneath of it, and he's trying to get the necklace out of there. Um, she rolls over and they start to kiss. And I don't know. Um, I don't remember if, if she says Charlie, but I think that she she does yeah. must, must think that it's, that it's him. Right. So that jet yeah. lag, that'll do it to you. So. Yeah. I totally forget someone is somebody else and kiss them in the middle of jet lag. That, that yeah. happens to me all the time for sure. Um, but it, it, it is, it is kind of a nice kiss. I mean, he, it starts off kind of awkward um, because he's, kind of sitting next to her she's laying down on this uh train car um but mm-hmm. it ends up being a pretty good kiss and he is uh luke is very um kind of smitten and yet annoyed <laughs> because you know it's obvious kate was like charlie um but then you know he uh he ends up kind of moving away and 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 letting her finish her her nap um much to much to the chagrin of the next morning where, you know, he gets some sleep and he wakes up and she's uh, got this enormous cheese plate and bread. And she's like, this is amazing. And, um, you know, there's like 452 types of cheese and mm-hmm. uh, in France alone. And she's like eating all this stuff. And through the whole beginning of this film, she was like, no, I don't eat cheese. I don't eat cheese. Um, I don't understand why the French have, you know, you know, why they have why they have so many cheese i don't eat cheese i don't care <laughs> yeah. about french cheese but but yeah the next morning he he wakes up and she's not there and i think for a second he kind of panics that that he lost her and he's going to lose this necklace forever but yeah finds her in the dining car and she's just eating all of this cheese um going on and on about it and we find out why she why she shouldn't be eating cheese and because apparently she's lactose intolerant now if you are in europe and you eat cheese and you're lactose intolerant it's it's not quite as bad um, but it's still bad. And especially if you're going to be eating all of the varieties of cheese. So, Correct. Yeah. So she's not feeling great. Um, she's getting off the train. It, it's, uh, you know, they are in this little town. Um, they're not quite to Nice yet. So they had to get off the train early. And uh, Duke looks a little uncomfortable. And he's like, he, he kind of admits that this is his town. This is his hometown. This is where he grew up. And so mm-hmm. he's kind of looking different people were seeing him and you can see as they're walking um, because Kate's like, I got to keep, I got to walk this off. I got to continue to walk. You know, people are looking at him at Luke and Luke is kind of looking back, trying not to be recognized. Yeah. And- he's, there's like a, like a Porter, like out on the, you know, on the train station there is kind of just standing there when Kate's in the, in the restroom, you know, dealing with her, uh, lactose intolerance and the porter is saying to luke he's like hey i know you aren't you so and so and luke says no aren't you you know oh no you're this guy and luke's like no and then he finally says oh you're luke and at that point you know he, he's needs to get out of there and uh the porter you know, picks up the phone and he's like hey you'll never believe it luke's here something to that effect <laughs> yeah um, but yeah and I, they get to sort of this little cafe they're sitting there um she's drinking some some water feeling a little bit uh, better and then this uh white convertible just pulls up you know barreling in <laughs> and this guy gets out of the car right right and uh kind of just jumps on luke and punches him uh they get into like they, they totally like face first onto the floor like they're 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 having a fisticuffs fight you know it's 
real interesting. Uh, Kate's like, what the hell is going on? And mm. then it turns out that that is Luke's brother, a- Antoine. And so he's like, come see the family, you know, the whole family's here. And Luke uh, has let it be known to Kate. He's like, look, I don't really want to talk about it. I haven't been here in six years. Uh, mm-hmm. No one's going to be happy to see me. I don't want to see anybody. And But they end up going ahead and uh, uh, his father's there. And there's kind of a cool moment where he's like, no one wants to see me. And then he sees his dad and he's like, hey, dad, how's it going? Hi, Papa. And so mm-hmm. there's this big family meal. Um, but, you know, Kate's very confused. She's like, I don't understand. This is this is a really beautiful place. It's this gorgeous vineyard um, right. in this valley. And it's it's just beautiful. And Luke confesses that, you know, he gambled uh, his half of the vineyard away and his brother mm-hmm. um, ended up winning it. And so his brother now owns the entire vineyard. And uh, she's just, she's aghast that he would do something like that. And he's like, what can I say? I'm an asshole. I mean, that's, that's kind of how that worked. Yep. And, um, you know, they have this family meal where she gets to meet all the cousins and stuff and all the little, there's kids everywhere. And he finally gets a chance to, uh, uh, to go through her bag. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's nice, you know, they're kind of walking through the vineyard they're having this family meal and she, at that point, after he's kind of looked through her bag, you know, she asks him to, um, show him or show her where you know his childhood room was you know show me your room and this is the first kind of time that Luke sort of opened up to her I mean she did a little bit you know on the train it opened up to him a little bit but now he's kind of opening up he's not just being you know kind of you know crass and you know just this thief character right he's being more of a person showing a little bit more of of himself to her right. so they they go up to his room and he's uh, has this kind of box it's like a like an oversized cigar box looking kind of thing and she's like oh what's that and uh he tells her you know this is a box i made when i was little and he opens it up and it has all sorts of you know um different herbs and flowers and you know things in there and it's like a a sensory box that he made to describe the taste of the wine here on his family's estate Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's one of my favorite scenes because he asks her to describe the wine that she's drinking because of course she's in France, she's drinking some really, it looks really delicious, this red wine. And Mm -hmm. uh, she's like, Oh, it's a nice red wine. And he's like, I think you can do better. He's got this really great face. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But he's, he's really nice about it. Um, And then she says, you know, it's a bold red wine with a hint of sophistication, lacking in pretension. And he again has this face, like, what are you saying? And uh, she confesses that, you know, that's really not wine uh, that she's describing. She's describing herself. And he says, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's very true though. Wine is like people and it's all the things that are around you are the things that make a wine taste a certain way. And so he shows her this box and it's a really beautiful um, box, you know, and he's got all these bottles and stuff and he, you know, he has her kind of smell these things and then taste the wine. And it's really, um, I have to say it was one of the first scenes that really turned me on to wine in general. I, this movie came out in 1995. So I was probably 14. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was too young to really drink wine, certainly too young to really appreciate it. But I, I was like, man, that looks awesome. I want to taste, you know, um, current and um, you know, earth and smoke and all this stuff with the wine. It was, it's a really cool scene. Um, Right. And so directly from there, he takes her on a walk and there's this really old um, 
kind of dilapidated vineyard and with a house mm. in the back and these really old vines are all dead. And he kind of sees says, you know, this, this was somebody's land and they gave up on this dream, but I am going to buy this land someday. And I, this ground has been resting just for me and I'm going to, um, going to make one great bottle of wine using this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really beautiful, um, this scene, because you can tell um, that they're really connecting in a much deeper way. Um, and he says, you know, I'm going to help you. I promised I would. I will help you get your Charlie back. Um, I, I will make it up to you, uh, you know, but it kind of brings it all back into why he's, you know, right. stolen the necklace. You, you realize as the viewer, he doesn't say this, but he's stolen this necklace so that he can make some money so he can buy this land so he can have this dream and, yep. and, yeah, and he, he says, you know, basically as much to Kate, they get back to the train station and are getting, you know, ready to board the train to finish off their trip down to Nice. And she's asking him, you know, how is he going to, you know, afford the vineyard or, you know, why hasn't he bought it yet? And he said that he, or he's planning to buy it. He has something to sell, but he, he doesn't have it right now or he lost it. He lost this thing that he was planning to sell. And at that point, she... Uh, kind of pulls down her shirt and you see that she's wearing the necklace. So some point in this journey, she's found this hundred thousand dollar necklace inside of, inside of this bag and she's wearing it. So Right. And she's like, aha. And she knew the whole time, you know, he was probably telling her this and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Um, but they kind of, you know, now they're, you know, there's no kind of argumentative banter between them. Now they're kind of on the same team and they're, they're really friendly. And so yep. they get back on the train to go to Nice. And, and uh, now they're now they're on a mission, right? So they're going over the game plan and he's telling her, he says, you have to do kind of the, the following things, right? Don't let him know how bad you want him. Don't give him big drama. That's what he wants. You know, he's going to want you to go in and make a big scene about it. So don't, don't give it to him, right? So, so they've got the game plan kind of set, so. Yeah, be like a phantom, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, just sneak in and out. Um, but when they get to they get to Nice and they're kind of walking through town and they finally get to the hotel and she sees Charlie the first time and uh, his new girl there. And she is not like a phantom at all. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she is the, the worst phantom ever. Uh, you see her kind of sneaking behind like these uh, little like topiary bushes in the, in the cafe and things. She ends up uh, knocking over like a whole... Uh, like cart tray of food and it's it's not good and charlie looks over and he's like i think that's kate but she manages to kind of get out of there without having a real confrontation so right right he charlie is meeting his fiance's family right there uh her parents are there and i don't know how they feel about her marrying and you know a canadian after like a week of knowing him but they're right. all you know having a good time but he keeps seeing kate and she's like it's just your imagination he's like no i'm pretty sure i saw her i really am and and it's it's kind of weird i mean uh it would be very off-putting for me if my fiance my new fiance was thinking about his field on old fiance and seeing her um Right. But it's interesting because uh, she manages, Kate manages to get out of there without being seen, which is good because she's like covered in like cream and <laughs> like there's yeah. tons of cake all over her at that point. And she's like she's... crawling around on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, a whole she, thing. But yeah, yeah. she, gets she goes and cleans herself up. And uh, at this point, you know, she gets another pep talk from Luke and he's like, look, you, you are fine. You need to act like you're fine. 
And uh, so she just does it, you know, she dives on in and um, she approaches them while they're sitting on the beach. Uh, you know, Juliette is the, the goddess and she's sitting there mm-hmm. in this two piece looking amazing. And uh, Charlie is, is next to her and she's just like, Hey guys, what's going on? And they freak out a bit. Charlie's worried. She's going to make a scene. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I just, I thought I'd, just come over and see, you know, meet the girl who stole my Charlie's heart. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the waiter yeah. comes over and that's when she orders her, her sea breeze. Yeah. She orders a sea breeze. She says, I don't speak much French, but I'd like a sea breeze. Does that translate? And the uh, waiter is like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll get you a sea breeze. He's <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so she's a cool customer now. Right. So she went from, you know, rolling around in all of the food at the cafe to the next day, being super smooth she's uh very confident and a little bit sarcastic as she's telling him the story being like oh i got got a call from you saying you weren't coming back so i decided to get on a plane i don't know anyone i lost all of my money i lost all of my things i lost my passport but i met this guy he's right over there and now i'm here and ordering drinks and this is the uh, girl that stole you from me and okay and (laughs) and he's like a very um and of course you know, he, she has a little dig. She's like, you know, I just didn't know you. This was before I knew you personally, but you're a bitch. And, you know, and she's like, I didn't mm-hmm. want to steal anything that didn't want to be stolen. Like, yep. and, um, and so she's like, look, we should talk about this, Charlie. You know, we should figure out, I mean, if you're not coming home, I need, we need to figure out what's yours and mine and figure all that out. Um, right. And so uh, he's just incredibly, uh bewildered he's like you don't hate me I don't understand and she says well I did but you know I'm I'm fine it's gonna be fine um let's talk about this at dinner tonight and so Mm uh you know Luke and Kate go back you know Luke has managed to steal his brother's credit card and so that's how they are staying at a very nice hotel in Nice even though none of them have any money and so um you know she's gotten this really beautiful dress and he's kind of they're coaching her and he's like, charge everything to the room. It's fine. And then, um, you know, he kind of practices dancing Luke and Kate practice dancing together. And he gives her another couple of pointers and he's like, you know, you should act like if you're right here, you are also a million miles away and he can never touch you. And yep. Yeah. And she's, she's having one last go with that, uh, very expensive necklace because after they leave the beach, um, she's going, she sits down on a bench and, uh, Jean-Luc, the, uh, the inspector, Jean-Paul, the inspector is there, right? He's made his way down to Nice. He needs to find Luke and get this necklace back. And, you know, he's sitting there and he's like, he's like, listen, he's like, he's not going to listen to me about this. You need to need to have him return that necklace. If he returns it, then I can, I can help him. But if he doesn't return it, then I can't help him. And she says, okay, I'll, I'll make sure that he, that he does. But yeah, she's wearing it one last time you know, dressed up in this, in this, uh, black dress. So they're going to go to dinner. Right. Right. So yeah, Charlie and Kate are at dinner and she's got like this list of things. And, um, you know, you always want that to be the case where you're amicable when, if you break up with someone, you're amicable enough, amicable enough to be like, all right, who gets the CDs and who gets the TV and who gets, you know, and she's very like, oh, you should just leave these. I'll take care of those. You don't have to worry about that. Cause you got, you're Mm going to live here now or whatever. Right. And he is just like, I I don't understand what's happened to us. Like this is, it's really starting to hit home that like she's done and they're going to break up. And of course then Charlie, 
ask her to dance. And so they have this really uh, beautiful kind of dance and then they kiss. And the next scene is, you know, him, uh, Charlie and Kate kind of laying on a bed and he's like, I'm so stupid. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I was thinking. This is so, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened. And in the meantime, Kate's like, huh, what did happen, Charlie? And it's kind of the light bulb moment for her, I think, where she kind of realizes her own worth and realizes um, that, you know, maybe she shouldn't be chasing after someone who so cheaply discarded her. And she says, I just don't understand. And he's like, I think I just was, you know, we, we had just found that house and we were about, I mean, I was just just afraid. I think I was just afraid to get married. And, and she very pointedly says, well, you weren't afraid of getting married to the goddess Juliet. You know, you weren't afraid Mm -hmm. of getting married to her. Right. And, he kind of sits down and they separate, you know, they're not, you know, he's not like putting his hands all over anymore. And he's like, he's listening. And she says, you know, I'm still going to be the same person that I was um, before. And, you know, I still want the same things. Like I mm-hmm. wanted, you know, a family and a life and I wanted to build something with somebody. And, but there's now something I don't want. I, I don't want you anymore. And right. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Luke yeah. sort of turned in, turned on this uh, confidence in her, right, that she never right. really had. She was, you know, kind of always quick to not necessarily do the easy thing, but sort of do the comfortable thing that wasn't going to challenge her, right? So she was willing to, you know, move to Canada and save all this money and fly to Paris and, and all this stuff for Charlie, but it wasn't really what she wanted, but it was, you know, easier to, to kind of do that than to to reach out on her own. And I think Luke kind of gave her that confidence to do, to do yeah. what she really wanted to do. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so she, uh, yeah, sorry, Charlie. So Charlie's uh, night doesn't go as planned. Uh, Luke was about ready to have a, a good night for himself. Right. So he ends up going up to the hotel room with Juliet, but um, in their uh, throes of passion, uh, Luke uh, says Kate, not Juliet. So uh, his night doesn't go quite as, as planned either. So, uh, yeah yeah nope so uh so what do you do right so you you meet back up they're they're uh, both in the room uh luke and kate back into the room together and they both sort of tell you know a little white lie oh my you know my night was great went great you know didn't want to didn't want to say that they sort of blew it on purpose because the night they wanted really was to be together so right right and uh you know they're like, we got to get ready because Kate, you know, she, they've made, they've made this uh, plan for Kate to go into Cartier and sell mm-hmm. the necklace, right? Because she's yeah. going to go in and she's going to dress just so, and she won't look like, you know, Luke who look totally looks like he's stolen it. And, um, right. yep. and, you know, they think that that'll get a better price. And so, you know, they go to do that. And um, so Kate walks into Cartier and, uh, there are people there from Cartier, surely, but um, but Jean Paul, who is the inspector, he is also there, and yep. he um, hands her some documents to sign. And what Kate has decided to do is take her entire nest egg and put it together um, as a check. And so Cartier has decided, you know, has graciously worked with them on this so that the re- necklace gets fully returned um, to its yep. rightful owner. And Kate ends up kind of. Um, giving her nest egg to Luke, um, and it's not anything like what what it should be, right? Like the the no, necklace she, is worth like hundred thousand dollars or something. Yeah, she uh, 
right before she leaves, she asks uh, Jean-Paul, you know, what, how much is that necklace worth? And he's, then he says, you know, all easily a hundred thousand. Right. So when she gets back and gives Luke the, the uh, check from Cartier, you know, for 45,000, he's like, what this, this isn't possible. And she says, well, that was as, that was as best as I could do. So yeah, there were some flaws. There were some technical flaws and this Mm -hmm. is, this is what it is. And is it enough? You know, and he kind of looks at the check and, he looks at her and he says, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this will be okay. I can buy the land and maybe in like five years, it, it, it's going to take a lot of work, but I, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And so, you know, he looks at her and he says, you know, thank you're my angel of luck. This is, this is lovely. And um, they kind of kiss goodbye. It's, it's a very, um, it's like, a, it's not like it's, they kiss goodbye. So it's not a super passionate kiss, but you can tell there's a lot right. of feeling in it. And uh, Kate says, you know, I have, I have to go, you know, um, Charlie's waiting for me because remember she's lied to Luke saying Mm -hmm. that they're, they're getting back together um, and everything's great. Right. Um, He wants to come back and all this stuff. And so he leaves um, and uh, Luke is kind of sitting there watching the water. Uh, Yeah. He's kind of, kind of standing there on the boardwalk area that he sees uh, Charlie and Juliet down and they're back together right so they're they're kissing off in the distance and at, at that point he realized okay Kate lied to me but you know she wanted to get out of there but luckily you know he has he has a good friend and uh, Jean-Paul who comes up behind him and he's like oh you know I'm finally getting that that vacation and he tells her do you want to hear a real love story or do you want to hear a love story a real one and they don't give you the scene of him telling the story of what happened but you know, yeah, he he told her what or told him what happened, right? That Kate basically uh, gave him all this money to keep him from from getting in trouble. So yeah, yeah, and so you know, Kate, um, I don't know how uh, she figured it out um, because at one of the last things that uh, Jean Paul says to Kate is, you know, you you Americans are really wonderful people, and she says, mm. I'm I'm actually not American, I'm not Canadian either. I'm currently without country, so. Somehow she figures this out. I guess she goes back to the American embassy and says, yeah, I guess I'm not going to be a Canadian anymore. Can you please give me a passport? You don't know, but she ends up back on a plane and she's headed home and, um, you know, she's uh, got her eyes closed. She's on a window seat and she can hear Luke talking to her. And um, he says, you know, do you still have your little stone cottage in your head? And she says, I do, but now it's next to a really beautiful vineyard and, um, and it's, it's, it's going to be amazing and it's really beautiful. And then um, she realizes that Luke is actually not just in her head. He's sitting right next to her on the plane. Mm-hmm. And yep. he says, uh, you know, I'm thinking uh, I want you. Uh, and she says, what, what? And he says, I, I just want you. And they, they kiss. And, and then of course the scene juxtaposes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Into the vineyard there. And you see him and you see some little growths from, from these plants and, that's kind of where it ends, right? So you get uh, that scene, uh, La Vie en Rose, uh, performed by, um, yeah, La Vie en Rose uh, by uh, Louis Armstrong. That's who it is. Um, comes on. So it's just really nice. You get this beautiful French countryside. You see the two of them and you get this get this nice song. Uh, there is the credit start. So Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, so the, that song kind of ends right as the credits are going. And then you hear Kate and Luke uh, and Kate's asking him to sing, right? She's like, just sing the song, just sing the song. And he's like, ah, mm-hmm. that Bobby Darren song. It's a, she's like, it's a French song. And, you know, 
and it uh, ends up being Kevin Klein's version of Le Mer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, just kind of a little uh, Easter egg there. If you sit through the first, you know, minute or so of the of the credits, you get uh, Kevin Klein's version of Le Mer. So, yeah, kind of a fun little exchange there. Uh, but yeah, that's how it ends. So they end up. Um, I don't know if happily ever after, but happily for right now, right back at the vineyard ready to ready to go ready to make at least that one bottle of wine on his new property so yeah i don't know uh, how long it's gonna take i I'm, I'm not a horticulturalist but i i think it might be more than five years i don't know how long it takes for uh <laughs> uh yeah it's it's going to be a couple of years at least for sure but it looks like they're off to a good start so yeah uh michaela what did you think about uh french kiss so this is the last of the romantic comedy series that we did for um Mm-hmm. for the month of February. I really like this. I, I remember liking it, I think a lot more uh, when it first came out. Um, uh-huh. You know, it is much more formulaic than some of the other ones that we've covered in this pod. Sure. Um, I do really like it. I, Kevin Klein, I've got such a soft spot for him. And, you know, Meg Ryan is kind of America's sweetheart. I don't think she does anything super outstanding in this film. Her timing's pretty good in a couple of the a um, couple of the quips that she has is pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, some of the scenes around wine and Kevin Klein has this really beautiful way where he's this, he's very rough around the edges, but he's mush on the inside and he's, uh, and he pairs that with a, in a French way. Um, you know, I, I certainly really love that part of it. I think that's what mm-hmm. makes it for me. What about sure, you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was this was the last one of the uh, romantic comedies that we did. Like you said, um, this one for me it's just okay. It's like you said, it's more of kind of a traditional romantic comedy. It doesn't have quite the the uh, interweaving plot lines or quite up to the you know same sort of uh, level as like when Harry met Sally and things. It's it's not quite as creative in that way, but um, it's a really nice story, I think, and uh, it goes through a lot of good self discovery. You know, with Kate, you know, learning about herself. Um, so it's not a completely one-dimensional, so it offers a little bit more there, but yeah, pretty good. And this was the first time I'd ever seen this film. Like I said, it came out in 1995. I'd never watched it until we watched it for the, the podcast here. So I was definitely new coming into it. Um, you said that you'd seen it probably back closer to the time that it had come out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I was 14, so I probably did see it right in the theater. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's fine for kids, right? It's um, there's a, there's a little bit of language, but there's certainly, there's no nudity. There's no sex. I mean, there's, there's some kissing uh, while you're laying down, but other than that, there's, there's really, it's really not, um, not bad for young adults. Um, Yeah. It's a PG 13. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, liked it a lot and I thought it was interesting um because of the timing that it came out it actually came out two weeks before um Billy Crystal's Forget Paris came out um so this actually was originally called Paris Match and they had to change it to French Kiss because they were worried that since Uh, the timing of the films were so similar um and they both were romantic comedies that they would um it would get confusing for people another interesting fact that I thought would be really cool if they ever if if we could turn back time is so kevin klein accepted this role but it was originally written for gerard depardieu who's a french an actual french person um and uh and an amazing actor in in his own right so i think that would have been really interesting to see how that would have gone down um Mm -hmm. just uh just a little trivia there but yeah i 
I liked it. I mean, again, one of the things that I also really like about it, and we've seen this in some of the other films that we've covered, is the the girl kind of, you know, the heroine gets uh, some realization and some confidence about her own self-worth, which really speaks to me as, it certainly spoke to me as a, as a 14-year-old girl when this came sure, out. Sure, right. Um, you know, if some, you know, someone doesn't like you, is mostly to do with them. And it's not, it's not that you're not good enough. And I, it's not that you've done mm -hmm. something wrong. Um, right. Certainly if, <laughs> you know, you've built a life with someone and in a week, they're ready to go toss you out for some goddess Juliet. They're, right. they're not they're you know, they're, you should not trifle with them. They're silly and you shouldn't spend your time with them. And just like Bridget Jones had that kind of crucial moment within herself. Yeah. She kind of had the opportunity, right? Like she probably could have gotten, gotten back with Charlie and went back to Canada and continued along the story that she'd set off on, right. With the, the house and the Canadian citizenship. But, um, but yeah, she'd kind of had some self-discovery and decided, you know, learned that that wasn't really what she wanted after all. Exactly. And that, that, that always is going to, going to be something that resonates well, I think with, with women, uh, certainly mm. me in general. <laughs> um, sure. So uh, yeah, um, so not the best uh, or you know most intelligent per se romantic comedy because it is rather formulaic, but I still think it's worth people's time. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, anyone at home listening, if you've watched French Kiss or you know if it's one that you'd uh, watch back, you know, close to the time it came out, or if you'd watched it recently, definitely let us know what you think about it. Um, if you've never seen French Kiss, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's a hard one to track down. It's not available to stream anywhere. It's not available to uh, rent through your streaming services anywhere. So uh, luckily, Michaela had a DVD copy of, of this film, so we were able to uh, both check it out. Um, but if you have a copy of it, yeah, it's worth it's worth watching, especially if you're a fan of romantic comedies. It's like I said, it's it's not one of my favorite ones, but it's definitely definitely a better one, definitely worth your time to watch. So. Yeah, let us know if you like that. And if you happen to make yourself a sea breeze to watch this or, uh, you know, watch it as we're getting into uh, spring and summertime here, definitely let us know that, you know, get a picture of it and tag us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and facebook.com slash drink the movies. And if you need the recipe for the sea breeze or um, want to see pictures of the ones that we made, uh, you can find that on our website. It's www.drinkthemovies.com. Uh, Michaela, why don't you tell people where they can uh, listen to and rate our podcast? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We'd appreciate it if you subscribed. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review because it really helps us get the Drink the Movies out there. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, Michaela, I don't speak French, but I could go for another sea breeze. How about you? <laughs> I could. I could. Yes. We. 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 All right. Well. I think we better uh, go mix up some of those. Um, we'll actually be back uh, with a special episode this week because the Golden Globes are uh, on Sunday night. So we will be back with a little uh, Golden Globes preview show and then back next week with uh, sort of a big full uh, Golden Globes recap show. So definitely look out for that too. So uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. And we'll see everyone next time on Drink, Drink the, the Movies. Say so it was better because I couldn't see you. <laughs>